0: Hello, and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. I am joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Video games, baby! And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. It has millions of polygons. My name is Jonathan Dunn, and we are discussing our all time top 100 video games. This week we have our 92s. And we begin this episode, as always, with the quiz round. Exciting. I'm ready for this week. What's the score at the moment? The score is Chris is in the lead with four, Minty is in second place with two, and the Quizmaster also has two. So, this is episode nine, question nine. In The Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time, the final boss fight is against which character? Ganon! (sighs) Bullets have left guns uh, slower. Minty has pulled one back.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well deserved.
2: Before we move on to the rankings, guys, what have you been playing this week? So I haven't had any time to play video games this week, really. Chris,
1: how about you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to boot up uh, like a console or anything this week that much, so I've been playing a mobile game called I Got Worms.
0: Is this the new app from the NHS where you send them a picture of... And they... No?
2: <laughs> You've got all these little enclosures where your worms travel around huh. eating fruit, much like in Snake. Yeah. But there's upgrades. Ah, uh, It's like an, is it an idol sort of. It's like an idol game you mixed with Snake. I love an idol game. I don't love you? them. I love them. And the Bible's
0: very clear about idols. <laughs> that's true, yes. <laughs> so that's very unlike you. Chris, what have you been playing this week? <laughs>
1: Uh, I have been playing and also incessantly texting you about uh, the game Her Story, which I played through on um, mobile this week on my Android phone. But it's something I've wanted to play for a long time. Like, I remember reading about it when it first came out probably a couple of years ago now, and just never got around to it. I think it's been sat in my Steam library for most of that time, but I haven't really had a computer worth playing anything on. And then it was on sale over Christmas for about a quid or or something. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who likes interesting narrative games and anyone that's interested in games that kind of use narrative in a weird way in a way that only sort of an interactive medium could allow. It is thoroughly enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I remember giving it a go before because I had it in Steam and I watched like the first video clip and I thought the acting felt too trite. I was just like, oh, but pushing past that and you realise obviously it has to be kind of like that in order Mm. for the game to play the way it does and for the way for the story to sort of unfold.
1: I totally, totally forget about that. What I found interesting as well, like on, on that note about kind of the acting itself... The, the more you watch, because for anyone who's not played it, you're essentially trying to piece together what has happened through like a one sided police interview conducted like over the period of a month. And because the the actor in it, the woman who's who's kind of you know the whole thing is based around, she's coming to the police with slightly different styles of of interview. The way she is interviewing is obviously shifting as different things are happening that you start to piece together in your head to a certain extent as well. That kind of triteness, the way the way you described kind of the acting, is. Almost like because the character is acting in places... The, the character was kind of putting something
0: on the penny sort of dropped and I just thought oh okay so she's she's playing the part of the innocent yeah even if she is not I don't know yet well I've been playing this week I finally got round to getting Diablo 3 on uh, the Switch oh lovely yeah and it's a game that I've been meaning to play for well about six years I think since it first came out I remember I kind of got into sort of the dungeon crawler games with weirdly enough it was the Deaths Bank series hmm yeah good games i like those then sort of later i think i remember getting bastion and i, I knew I, it's a very satisfying game to play it, it's it really doesn't require much mental energy in the best possible sense quite mindless it's process but a very satisfying process with some some very rich law of a bit
2: of law at R three cents
0: so i'm having a really really good time playing that moving on to the rankings the main event this week we are starting with my game guys would you like to know what my 90 second favorite video game of all time is i'd love to no not that fast to be honest oh me neither (laughs) come on lay lay it on us this is the first game of its genre that we've had so far it is one in a series of these games of which there have been dozens oh Okay. It is a puzzle game. It's our first puzzle game. A puzzle game. Mm. Okay. Chris knows what this is, I reckon. I do definitely know now. I am, of course, talking about the renowned Picross series. Oh, Ooh. lovely. Ooh. What a lovely game. My choice for the my number 92nd favourite video game is the DS Race Picross 3D. Oh, Ah,
1: oh, that's a, that's actually that's a curveball.
0: Yeah. For people who haven't played Picross, it is a style of puzzle game whereby you need to sort of cross-reference numbers on a grid to fill in certain squares that will then make a picture. The puzzles were sort of invented in the late '80s and then were captured in video game form in Mario's Picross for the Game Boy, and then later Super Mario's Picross on the SNES. Before then, having just so many keeping on coming out on various different consoles. When the Nintendo eShop came about then they really started churning them out on the 3ds and now on the switch and they've done themed versions they've done pokemon and zelda so i absolutely loved all the picross games that i've played and i was really unsure when they announced picross 3d and i thought this is uh, i just don't see how this is going to work like it's really going to rely on how they implement the controls to actually be able to navigate this on a 3d plane so essentially the way that it works is it is you'd have a cube broken up into little cubes so say you had like eight by eight by eight Cubes, you would essentially be solving eight flat Picross puzzles, and you can scan through the layers to chip away blocks that aren't meant to be there, and you sort of have to then slowly sculpt a shape out of a cube. And for me, this was just the cherry on top. So I always really, really enjoyed the the two D Picross games, but there was something about not just making a flat picture, but making a sculpture, making a a, a little three D model that I don't know. I just really, really appealed to me, and. I particularly enjoyed it as it was the first game that I got on my DSI XL. The big boy. Which is the first XL. Again, it was something that when that was released, I thought, oh, what's the point of just having a big screen? It's the same resolution. It's not going to look any better. In fact, it will look worse. You'll be able to see the pixels more. Yeah. But then I was working in game at the time, and one came in and I had a play on it, and I was like, this is great. This is just a really nice machine. And I got Picross 3D on it. And I think partly because of actually having the bigger surface to interact with the controls to to work with it were an absolute dream yeah. and i could you know spin these cubes around to my heart's content chip away make little <laughs> little sculptures for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and one of the really nice additions of it was the fact that you could design your own puzzles as well which was a lot more fun than say creating a flat picture
2: making the jump to 3d did it feel like a progression of pit cross or did it feel like its own entity
0: it felt like its own entity sure because of the way that it had to work you know like i can't remember when it was it was probably like in the 90s when 3d board games were all the rage like games were being made that was like it's scrabble but you can go up as well as to the side or it's like 4d chess and you play it on like three surfaces yeah (laughs) and it was like well the game doesn't work the game isn't designed to work like that so this is just this is just convoluted crud if you pardon my language (laughs) i know i know whereas this kind of took the idea of picross went okay this could be really fun uh work in a new dimension but how do we make that work Mm. and it had to approach it in a very very different way to make it work and to make it enjoyable but still give that same sort of familiar experience and they they really sort of hit the nail on the head no surprise of course that picross 3d was made by how laboratories oh lovely was it yes it was how did picross 3d and picross 3d round two Uh. but it had that wonderful how attention to detail that all of their sort of yeah. games had and also a real focus on collecting and collections and giving you real sort of inspiration to keep going do one more puzzle unlock one more thing and it was just an all-round really
1: really nice package what i love about picross games like the 3d and the 2d versions i, I enjoy that sort of number puzzle but I, i've never got into anything like sudoku i, I get no enjoyment out of it whatsoever and yeah. i think it's purely because building towards an image or an object or something it's like the, the whole Sense of progress is more tangible. The nice thing is, like, Hal
0: clearly knows that by it gives you an object, it adds it to a collection, mm. you put it on display, and you know, you, to be honest, you're never going to look back through them, but it's it, you get that sense of accomplishment that makes you go, Oh, I'll just do one more. I must say, my favorite little 3D puzzle that I ever solved was it was part of a little collection called Hobbies. And so you you had things like a sewing needle or there was like um, a horse, uh, various things that represented different hobbies. But then the final one was just like, I was just like, I have no idea what this is. And I was chipping away these cubes and I thought, literally have no, this looks totally ridiculous. And then at the end, when it sort of is coloured in and comes to life, it was just a a man in a bed. And I was like, (laughs) surely not. And then the caption comes up. (laughs) exhausted hobbyist
2: (laughs) that's
0: lovely so pure so pure moving on Chris would you please grace us with your 92nd favourite video game of all time please my
1: 92nd favourite video game is a Mega Drive game And it is the Mega Drive game, which I believe has the best visuals as well as the best soundtrack of that era. It's a 2D brawler, but it has no Z-axis, so you don't move up and down into the screen. You're just purely along like a 2D plane. And it is the game Comic Zone. I don't think I've ever heard of this game. It is a wonderful game. Is it comics with an X? It is with an X, yeah, because like we mentioned before, the Mega Drive is all about kind of rad attitude. You play as a character called Sketch Turner, who is a comic book artist so it's a good example of nominative determinism (laughs) i love that and for whatever reason he is sucked into his own creation his own kind of graphic novel or comic series whatever and in execution that means you're kind of instead of fighting across like a just a cityscape or something you fight through the actual pages of the comic kind of jumping between panels and things like that and it means that sometimes you're given the choice to kind of take different routes where you might go towards the panel to the right or the panel below or something like that so it's got like a decent amount of replayability to sort of go back and explore the, the whole sort of page. It also means it lets you sort of break the fourth wall a bit where sometimes you can actually like kick through panel frames or sometimes like there's a special move where you kind of tear a bit of the background and turn it to a little paper airplane that that hurts the enemies kind of thing. So it sort of plays with the idea and the form of it being a comic. The reason I said it kind of looks and sounds so good, it's got amazing pixel art, like some of the nicest stuff I think from, you know, the Mega Drive or the SNES. Really massive, Chunky sprites, loads of character, really detailed backdrops, and there's not a huge amount of enemies in the game, but they all have really unique designs and feel kind of like they're well rendered and well designed enemies. What I really like about it in comparison to some other kind of fighting games of that time, the fighting itself is like really weighty. It feels like it really sort of packs a punch. I don't really want to call it kind of like visceral combat. I feel like that really gets overused and it doesn't really mean anything anymore. But it's kind of like something to do with the way the, the sound design is, is used and, and the animation is used. It's like every hit just feels quite purposeful. And I think it's really easy to get that wrong in games and films. Yeah. Like, a, as a good example, like whether you like them or not, the, the Christopher Nolan Batman films, all the fighting feels really heavy.
0: Every hit is, uh, is yeah, feels like you've got the weight of a billionaire behind it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> the,
1: the weight of unfettered capitalism. <laughs> but yeah comic zone even though it's obviously it's years prior and a, a different medium and everything but it feels like it comes from a similar sensibility that it's it's trying to make the most of every hit so it kind of you know fights feel like they you know they have an actual physicality to them which is really nice for for something that's that old the music like i said before it's my favorite soundtrack on the mega drive i think out of out of any game absolutely incredible
0: research time
1: Okay, so Comic Zone soundtrack by the wonderful Howard Drossin, as we've just found out. He basically wrote a whole grunge album, recorded it all with a live band, and then after that sequenced it using the Mega Drive sound chip. When you bought the game of the Mega Drive, I remember getting it, from, getting it for Christmas when I was like, I don't know, whatever age I would have been then. It came with a soundtrack CD with the live band stuff. Oh, that's cool. Which these days is worth quite a lot of money.
0: Speaking of composing soundtracks to streets of rage style games, guess what other soundtrack he wrote? I don't know. Die Hard Arcade. Did he? Yeah. In addition to Sonic and Knuckles, was he involved in that too? Yeah, and the film Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> and weirdly, a couple of like a couple of Spike Lee films, 25th Hour and Inside Man. How odd. He's working and uh, at the ripe old age of, of 48, I'm sure he's doing Quite well.
1: (laughs) But yeah, the music's great. I I would really recommend you check out both the full band stuff and the, the sequenced, almost MIDI stuff on YouTube. The game is ridiculously hard. Like you mentioned about Alex Kidd a few episodes back. It's not necessarily a long game, but to actually get through it, it's a real mission, like a mission of attrition. There's only three stages in total. Each one is kind of split in two. So kind of, I suppose you could say six levels, essentially. But you get one miserly life bar to try and see you through this whole game. No continues whatsoever. So you're dead, you're dead. Wow. Uh, And there's certain stages where if you fall in a pit, that's it, all life gone. (laughs) So it is really, really hard. And I've only ever beaten it once using like save states on an emulator. Because you know you have to be utterly precise, but it's it's not that dissimilar the way that you can get better playing something like say Dark Souls, which we mentioned quite a lot. obviously you you die a lot, but you start to learn enemy patterns, you start to kind of understand like the time it takes to execute certain moves and stuff like that. So you can get better, and I, I quite like that although it is obviously really punitive, it's it's a really hard game to be good at. There's enough depth to the combat, there's enough depth to kind of each encounter that you can beat it if you're willing to put the time in. It's really good. You should um, play it, love it, and then stream the soundtrack as you drive to work. It's it's really, really good. (laughs) Highly recommended.
0: I look forward to checking it out. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Comic Zone. Moving on, last but certainly not least, it's The
2: Beast. (laughs) Clement Minty Booth. It's interesting that you should mention The Beast. Listening to what you two have said uh, rounds off this episode quite nicely because my game is, like yours, Jonathan, a first in a particular criteria. Mm -hmm. And much like Chris's, it's something to do with comics. And the criteria in which it is the first on our list is it's the first Nokia N-Gage game. Oh, what? boy.
1: <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I did
2: not think. I only know one other person who even had an N-Gage. Well, I didn't play it on the N-Gage. I just thought that was, a, that was a fun fact. I played this on the Xbox.
0: Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes, I played this on the original Xbox, The Beast. Oh, I see now. It's because the console was like the
1: size of my house. I never had one. I don't think I ever saw one in person. I only saw images of one, and and they
0: didn't have anything for scale. No, and the original controller was like a good portion of my head. I remember the original; they were awful. It was even worse than the the Jaguar controllers with 20 buttons. (laughs) Awful. Like one of those little Casio calculator watches, was not it? Just strapped to the middle.
1: (laughs) The ones you could use to change the TV channel.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was great fun (laughs) in assembly. Upton Junior School, rude the day they let this rubble through its gates.
1: (laughs) A rebel whose cause was changing the channel.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll never get to the end of watching Flubber on the last day of terms.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, back to my game. It's X-Men Legends. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't played that much of it, to be honest, because I put this game in my list quite low down because I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a really strong uh, action RPG with really good experience, upgrades, and skill progression. It felt very rewarding and very generous. You know, you had to fight the Sentinels. You had to go up against the Morlocks, etc. It was just a really nice collection of comic book set pieces which you fought your way through. But the reason I put it in my list is because I played it when I was not particularly um, settled in where I was living at the time, uh, wasn't it wasn't particularly secure. I wasn't in a place where I was feeling particularly uh, fulfilled in life. So while I had all this sort of uh, emotional stuff going on around me, I had just had this really nice, strong X Men game to just sort of plow through every now and then on the on the Xbox, which was in the house I was staying in. But I didn't really play that much of it because my circumstances changed before I could make any uh, meaningful progress in it. It's on the list, not. Because it's a fantastic game. I mean, it, it was a it was a fine game. It was it was certainly very enjoyable. But it was just that kind of escapism from a particularly um, sad part of my life at that point.
0: Now that I've had a look at the front cover of the game, I remember it being out on the GameCube and thinking it did look very good.
1: It turned into the uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance series, which the Switch is getting an exclusive
2: third uh, version uh, of. Seen? Yes, Ultimate Alliance came out on the Wii, didn't it? I think it did as well.
1: Yeah, it was on the on the three sixteen PS three. Uh, but I think it also got a Wii port too.
0: I think that's uh, it's very valid. Like a lot of games that are on my list, a couple of which I've mentioned already, I know aren't particularly great, but they mean a lot to me. Not necessarily because of the game itself, but because of these the circumstances in which I, I got the game or I was playing the game or it's linked to a particularly mem- particular memory or particular time and... You know, we touched on it before about how games do have a certain element of escapism that can be incredibly therapeutic and and helpful. Yes, and yes, it, it's it's why I managed to beat the single player mode of Smash Brothers in two days uh, over <laughs> yeah, over Christmas yeah. was because I, I I needed it and I was able to find that kind
2: of that that relief in um in a computer game. Yeah, I mean, really, maybe what makes a video game great is the journey you go on <laughs> and the friendships you make along the way. Is this, your new, is this your new catchphrase? Mrs. Minty hates it. I'm sure she does.
0: I'm sure she does. You know what? Like, I've just had a little look at the port on the N-Gage because I thought, it's oh, it, it, it looks bad, mate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My favourite thing about the N-Gage, when we were at school, do you, do you, Rick had one? Our, our friend yes. Rick had an N-Gage. And the, the first model of the N-Gage, its biggest flaw was one, if you wanted to put a game cartridge in, you had to fully take the battery and the SIM card out of the phone and put it underneath. <laughs> so that was like the first issue. And secondly, if you wanted to take a call on the phone, you had to hold it sideways, like you were putting like a sandwich to your ear. Like the phone didn't work. It didn't work flat. So... hello who's there pastrami on rye (laughs) but then you know it was only a few years later we got iPhones and then people stopped playing real games yeah exactly so you know they they were ahead of the curve in a way marvellous thank you very much
0: gentlemen for bringing those offerings to this table it was a trio of firsts we had our first puzzle game of the series we had our first nominative determined game of the series and we had our first isometrically ported N-Gage game of the series so thank you for for bringing all of those things to light if anyone has any feedback please feel free to get in touch with us you can find me on Twitter
1: at Jonathan Dunn you can find me on Twitter at Chaz underscore Hodges you can find me on Instagram
2: Drunk olivander.
1: if you
0: like this episode indeed if you like this whole ruddy series please do like it Leave us a review, because it'll make us feel good about ourselves. And please do share it amongst anyone who may be interested. Huge thanks to the Double Down Podcast Network for hosting us so generously. And do make sure to tune in next week for our 91sts. 91st? 91 91st. Good night.
2: Always remember how special you are.